Hey guys, this is Cole Liker. Hi, I'm Neil Collins. You are listening to the Unused Substitute. The Unused Substitute. And you're listening to the Unused Substitutes. Get off the pitch! Hey there, little Red Riding Hood, I got a problem and it's complicated. Go through change that I just can't ignore the signs. Hear them now, it's so loud it hurts. Hear me growl, hear me howl with the full moon. Is there one final touch to be had? Aaron Guillen, Lasso, elevating. Hello, Rowdies family, and welcome to the Unused Substitute Soccer Show, where we spread the green and gold gospel about the Tampa Bay Rowdies. My name is Matthew Cox, and I am not joined tonight by my co-host Ben Wilcox, having some uh, car troubles. Uh, so we're going to rope in our uh, previously planned special guest to be kind of a co-host for part of the show. Uh, and then I'll just fly solo all the way out from there. So for the next 45 minutes or so, we're going to talk about the most recent results uh, such as they were, uh, news and a little bit about this week's upcoming match. So let's get right to it. I am joined. Uh, I feel like I should just say as usual at this point, or, you know, you can guess who it is when we say we have a guest. It's John Morrissey. It's USL tactics. Uh, John, I actually reached out to you a little bit before, uh, the week before this game, because, you know, we knew with, with Neil Collins leaving and, and Stuart Dobson kind of filling in as the interim that, they would likely just kind of try and do what they had been doing because it's been working. And, you know, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But also on the other hand, if it ain't broke, please don't break it. Uh, but you, you can't replicate things exactly. Like, you know, one of Neil's kind of uh, skill sets was his ability to make adjustments and make changes and things like that. And that's going to be different from, from coach the coach. Um, anyway, the game did not go as well. The uh, the Rowdies' uh, 11 game unbeaten streak comes to an end when Enzo Martinez scores a 49th minute goal, keeps Tampa Bay uh, Birmingham keeps Tampa Bay uh, out of the net and and really kind of ineffective offensively for much of the evening. Um, but I just I, I just wanted you to kind of you know because you do these uh, great uh, multi tweet threads. Uh, about the, uh, the the tactics and the gameplay and, and everything for these games. And I just kind of want to get your opinion. Did you see anything differently uh, uh, with Stuart Dobson in, in charge for, you know, however long this is you know, the coaching search is going to be? Um, was this result more about what Birmingham did than what Tampa Bay didn't do? Was it a combination of both? What, what, were, what were your takeaways from the Rowdies uh, losing in Birmingham? Yeah, I mean, I think there was a, a give and take where a lot of it came down to what Birmingham did for sure. But given where the Rowdies are 
in terms of maybe you need to give some guys a rest. Maybe you need to try out that Jennings, LaCava, Williams front line. There was a whole lot going on here that conspired to make it a bad game. That said, this was a pretty dire performance, even if it is like this has been such a magical run for the Rowdies over the past couple of months. You were Mm -hmm. due for a stinker at some point, but if you look at the expected goals, I think it was like 1.8 to 0.2, like Tampa Bay just had nothing going. Uh, I would point to the midfield is really the area of concern where you had the Ecuadority pair in the middle. Birmingham ended up switching it up and playing Tyler Pasher as a central midfielder after about half an hour. And they kept getting these three on two overloads in the middle that Tampa Bay didn't really know how to deal with. Um, I was noting, especially up front, how aggressive the press was for Tampa Bay. You've seen some of that with Neil, certainly. I think a little bit less this season. But J.J. Williams, basically 99% of the time, was running at Matt Van Okel in the other net. They were so high up, and they were leaving more space where you were isolating that central midfield. So I think that was inspiring. Uh, Charlie Dennis not being in that starting 11 was a huge factor as well. He's really the guy that can break up a defense, get in between the lines, and balance things out. And I thought the game changed when he came on, but it was probably too little too late at that point, just given the way the momentum was breaking. So, I mean, I feel like I've hit on, there was a lot in both directions that contributed to this result. I expect things to be a lot better, certainly with Indian store because Dobson knows what he's doing. And because I think this is a bad 11 team, but mm-hmm. we'll see what gives with that. Yeah. So the, uh, the, the combination of results on the evening, uh, sees Tampa Bay drop down from where they were uh, they were in sole possession of first place in the East to, <clears throat> excuse me, four points back of Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh played on uh, the 12th and the 15th, winning both of those games, uh, beating Pittsburgh 2-0 on the 15th, beating Louisville 1-0 on the 12th to put uh, Pittsburgh four points clear of Tampa Bay. But the Rowdies have a game in hand, so and they have not played Pittsburgh yet. So some time to uh, to catch up. Rowdies are one point ahead of Charleston. And then uh, you mentioned this weekend's upcoming opponent uh, in the 11, currently sitting in eighth place, one point into the playoff spots. Uh, but maybe luckily for the Rowdies, this game is being played in Indianapolis, where they have not had the best record on the other. Only one win. They've earned most of their wins on the road. So we'll uh, we'll, we'll get into that matchup a little bit later. The other big thing, and I I tried to get Dan on for this because Dan and I's joke for years, uh, for eight years, was that we were going to talk about ProRel next week. Just kind of the concept in general, uh, not even anything specific about uh, certain leagues, but, you know, how would that possibly work? Um, and, and and my thing, and I'll, I'll just throw it out here real quick, my I don't know how many people uh, online believe this because, you know, there are the uh, the 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 zealots on either side who say it'll never work or, you know, it's the, it's the silver bullet that will all of a sudden make every, uh, make the sport, the biggest sport in the country. I, I think it's something that I would like to see happen at some point. I don't believe it's a silver bullet. I think, you know, facilities and academies uh, and all that kind of stuff is maybe a little bit more vital in the long run. Uh, but the news came out. Uh, as it usually does the day after we post an episode that USL was going to uh, consider whether to consider pro relevant. They're basically going to vote about whether they're going to investigate it. They're going to think about thinking about it at their, 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 their next set of meetings. 
um, creating pro rel and I guess potentially creating a, a, another third division in here. Um, you've written, wrote a really good article on backheeled about it. And I, can you just give me kind of an overview, uh, an, an idea? What, how does this look? What, what, what's the, the, the possible plan for this as they think about thinking about it? Yeah. So, I mean, just on the thinking about thinking about it thing to start off, They'll be voting, all of the Board of Governors members will be voting on August 8th, I think, is the date on whether to consider adopting promotion and relegation. In talking to some people over the past week or so, as things have developed, it's becoming a little bit more clear that despite the fact that the news leaked, this is not set in stone, that it's going to be a yes vote. Mm -hmm. It was very much the owners, um, the Board of Governor members otherwise, who are in favor of it. We're leaking the news out because they're really trying to get the public opinion out there. And I mean, boy, have they succeeded in that regard to put the public right. pressure. Um, but imagine they, that leaking news about about pro rel on the internet somehow uh, stirs up some some opinions. I, I mean, I think it's probably the biggest or the most amount of attention that the USL has got in years. I would say, mm-hmm. but and for good reason because it's a huge deal. It seems like they're weighing a couple of options. Um, there is the possibility that they don't found another division and it just becomes up and down between the championship and League One. More likely, and this is what the one of the owners quoted in the piece was saying, was that they would found a middle tier between the two existing leagues. Uh, I sort of game planned it out just in that backheel piece that you mentioned where, say, you drop down like RGV, Loudoun, Vegas, Monterey. Uh, you give that sort of West Coast solidity. You add in maybe a couple of League One markets that are more successful. Think about like a Union Omaha or a Forward Madison. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of these upcoming championship uh, expansion teams. So in the mold of, say, a Jacksonville, a New Orleans, an Arkansas. And then suddenly you've got a division that covers the time zone requirements of U.S. soccer. They cover the population requirements. And you can get about 10 to 12 teams to give you that solid baseline. So then the question becomes, say you've got three divisions. Does the USL championship without those lower level teams have what it takes to have a bid for division one status? Uh, I know Rowdy's fans of a certain vintage will be familiar with the NASL sort of playing with that same idea. Uh The USL is on a lot more solid footing. They meet almost every requirement except for the crucial stadium capacity requirement where Uh, Every team in the league would need to have a 15,000-seat stadium. As it stands, only Miami and Birmingham have that because they play in cavernous football venues. So Yeah, the the first thing that jumped out of my head reading, because I I reread your article again before this, is uh, uh, so USF College Football currently plays at Raymond James Stadium, home of the Buccaneers, but they are going to be building their own on-campus stadium in the next few years. So all of a sudden, Raymond James is going to be open. Uh, I really would not want to see. I, I like the Rowdies playing in St. Pete in general, um, but I do not want to see them playing in, uh, number one, a stadium full of red seats uh, that's going to be, you know, nowhere. Do they still have the pirate ship? Oh, yeah, still have the pirate ship. Oh, man. Maybe we could uh, fire the cannons off after goals or something, but it, it, <laughs> it would not be an ideal situation to play in, in my opinion. No, Absolutely. And I think the broader thing is most of the teams in the USL are in a stadium that fits the amount of attention they garner, right? Like Mm -hmm. it would, 
for me, devalue the experience for a lot of these teams if they had to just move mosey on over to a gigantic hulking stadium because of these arbitrary restrictions. But it remains to be seen what the deal will be in terms of U.S. soccer's reaction to that. So say if you get the first division, it becomes a pretty clear one, two, three, filling out those tiers. Otherwise, uh, if, as I think is probably more likely, U.S. soccer holds firm with the requirements, you're looking at a bit of a weird setup where it would be like USL championship at the second tier, and then there's two third tiers, but one is promoting and relegating to another. Uh, in any event, those are just kind of the messy details. But for me, it becomes this question of what is the value of promotion and relegation in terms of drawing new eyeballs to the league? Mm-hmm. Is there an untapped market of fans who would suddenly start to follow their local USL club? Could you get more money from a TV partner? Are you drawing more interest from European leagues who think of you as being more competitive in terms of player acquisitions and the transfer fees you could garner because you have promotion and relegation in place. A lot of people tend to think that that argument holds water, that because you have this thing that would be familiar to fans of European soccer, you're going to get those eyeballs, you're going to get more sponsorship money. I'm a little bit more questionable about that, but at the same time, there's an argument to be made. Uh, There's a lot of people in power in the league who seem to think that this is going to be a really big deal. I know I've talked to a couple of players who are really bullish on the idea of promotion and relegation. They see Mm -hmm. it as something that is going to force the bottom end of the USL uh, to really step up their game in terms of salaries, in terms of standards. Uh, I think it would probably drive USL League One in terms of their salary cap and their player uh, salary spending to step up their game a little bit. So on that side of things, I think it would be a positive. But yeah, the big question is, do the finances make sense? Is it something that's going to drive eyeballs to the USL? So do with that what you will. Yeah, one of the things that I was thinking about reading the article is, and I think you even mentioned it in there a little bit, there's always this thing where there's USL markets in certain cities and, and you know, the attendance is okay. But all of a sudden MLS comes to town and the, you know, the attendances go through the roof and there's new stadiums being built. And there's all this attention because it's major league, not what's viewed as minor league soccer. And this idea about getting a, 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 you know, a league or I mean, not league one, but a, a, a first division kind of sanctioning. Yeah for whatever this top league is, I, I, sometimes I think people might just look at that and say, well, that's going to fix all the problems because then we can say, oh, we're first division two, just like MLS, spend your money here, give your, give us your, you know, bigger TV contracts. But at the same time, like, look at what's going on just, you know, south of me in Miami, like USL could say, hey, we're first division now. And people are going to say, well, where's Messi? Or, right. you know, you, you, we're, we're doing all this stuff. Yeah, but you're still, you know. Yeah, you're you're not them. I I don't. I think maybe people overestimate the impact that will have on casual fans. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I know a lot of people who love Welcome to Wrexham who don't watch soccer at all. So maybe there is something to be said about the idea of of promotion relegation kind of getting people excited. But if they're watching the show now, they're still not watching soccer or local soccer. So does that translate? I don't know. Uh, it, it'll it'll be an interesting thing to see how this would happen. Um, what are some what, what's some potential things that could go wrong? What what are some obstacles or some roadblocks they're going to have to deal with? 
Yeah, just, I mean, from that initial stage, the buy-in from enough owners to get this thing across the line is a big deal. Um, if USL Championship decides they're going to go for that first division status and U.S. soccer holds firm, suddenly you're looking at a big investment in terms of stadiums and that sort of thing. Uh, I think the debate over which teams potentially make the drop down from the championship into either League One or a new a newly founded division would be really contentious. It seemed from the reporting that Jeff Ruder and Tom Bogert did with The Athletic that it would be competitive. So you would just look at whoever finishes in those bottom four spots, either this year or next year, would be the teams to make the drop. How logical is that if, say, Detroit City, who just paid a big expansion fee to get in, who have one of mm -hmm. the I mean, fan bases that this league likes to put on national TV, right? You don't want them going down because they're not willing to spend money on the pitch. It I it feels natural to say like just send Rio Grande Valley and Vegas down because no one cares about what they're doing, but right. you can't just do that from the league perspective. So I right. don't know how they figure that out. Um, yeah, on one yeah. hand, it, it feels like there would be clubs who are just kind of like, well, there's a you know. A, as a, a, you know, I don't say a lesser, but a, a lower division we could operate at. We wouldn't have to put out as much money. Right. Uh, it, maybe it fits what we're getting here in crowds. Like there's there's some that would do that, and and there, there's clearly teams that are aspirational, want to play at the highest level, and even in like League One, there's League One teams who were who mm -hmm. will would want to compete at a higher level. But I think there's also League One teams that are like, this is kind of cool. We're good right here, and it's it's sure. figuring out where that is. And also, you know, like you said, talking to some of these, uh, some of the owners that, it, you know, it's not clear that they have the votes to, to, to start thinking about thinking about it. If it's close and if it's contentious, you know, lower division soccer is unstable enough as it is without throwing in something like this that could really throw a monkey wrench into several clubs front office uh, workings, I would assume. That, and that's a really good point you're making at the end there, where I think a big part of the argument in favor of this is that it solidifies League One against the rising threat of MLS Next Pro, where, I mean, you saw Rochester was kind of the first blow in that regard. And the revival of what was the Rhinos in Next Pro obviously didn't go well. They're back mm -hmm. on hiatus or folded or whatever. But Next Pro has added an independent team in Cleveland. They were adding one in North Carolina. This is a league that is looking to expand into markets that would be of interest to League One. Armada are going to show up there, I keep hearing. Exactly. Yep. I mean, they've got the, what, the independent team in Huntsville now. I mean, yeah. it's going against Birmingham. That's a market that was talking to the USO. So if you can say, hey, forget about Next Pro. If you buy into League One, you could end up in the championship getting much better TV money, getting many more eyeballs than you would facing St. Louis City FC2 in a given week. Right. So, I mean, I think that's a big deal. But at the same time, what if half of the owners in League One are just completely opposed to this? It gets put into place. Next pro says, we'll waive an expansion fee. You come over, jump ship. There's a route where I don't think that's likely, but what if? You don't yeah. know who is unsettled in this whole process. And I will say that I've heard um, in terms of, I mean, you see the USL League Two to League One as a real step up the pyramid that there are owners in talks. I've heard that League Two ownership has been pretty inconsistent in terms of what communication they're getting about this. Mm -hmm. So you wonder how 
top-down this whole thing is going to be, how bought in the entire infrastructure of the broader USL is with this. And I don't have all of the connections to know what everyone is thinking and what's been said, but maybe not all the ducks are in a row in the way that it seemed like when The Athletic broke this news a couple weeks ago. Uh talk about MLS and, and MLS next pro my it brings me kind of my one big question about this and I've, I've seen this uh, online as well and I've mentioned it to some people what are the like where would you put the odds that this is just part of a end game to convince MLS to buy USL just consolidate everything under one organization especially in time for the 2026 world cup let's say I tend to think not and only because I think MLS is confident in their ability to just outcompete the USL. Mm-hmm. They know that if they want to, they can take any market they want. We're seeing it in San Diego right now. I mean, I think that's really the poster child for what's going on. But right. look at what they did with Austin, with St. Louis. You still look at teams like Indy 11 with their stadium project. That's potentially a market that MLS could poach if they wanted to. Like every time a team in the USL does something notable in an off-the-pitch sense where they're solidifying, suddenly it becomes, hey, they could make the step up. And MLS knows that. And they know that they're competing at the third tier right now, going head-to-head for these independent markets. So why put out the expenditure to buy out USL when you could bring in a Messi up top to get those eyeballs, and then you're out competing them at the youth development level in the third tier? You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, I'm kind of interested to see if this does happen, if, if if MLS all of a sudden decides to start poaching some of the existing like championship level clubs and maybe creating their own MLS 2 and doing right. their own version of ProRail now that they see there's interest and excitement and uh, maybe they can work that out that way. Yeah, I do think just to jump in real quick on that, um, MLS, obviously the argument people always make is that they would never do promotion and relegation because if you're an owner who just paid a $500 million expansion right. fee, you're absolutely not going to get that investment devalued. Whereas if you're in the USL championship, you've not bought in for that much money. And frankly, what difference does it make if you're in the championship or league one? Like there are maybe five people in a given city who care about that distinction enough to not show up to a game. Yeah. The majority at, at, of your revenue. Whatever it's, I'm going for a good time and, yeah. yeah, and uh, there's, yeah, just, yeah. there's no difference in sponsorship and broadcast revenue functionally right now. So right. it's a little bit more of minimal risk if you're implementing this system. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes I think some of the, the owners, and especially fans, no matter what level, get like in a bubble where they're like, oh, well, this, this everyone thinks this way because this is how I think of my team and my league. And I don't I don't think that is necessarily the case. Um all right. Well, John, I know you got uh, some, some things you got to do tonight, so I appreciate you uh, taking some time to, to hop on and, and join this. We'll uh, we'll keep track of it, maybe have you back on when the vote happens and, and, and talk about what the, the next steps from there are. Absolutely. All right, John, thanks a lot. I appreciate it, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you soon. One last time, I, I, I sometimes I always forget to do this. Uh, where can people find you online? Where can people find the stuff you're writing? The articles I'm mentioning, where's all this stuff? Because I have become a big fan of uh, Backyield and especially your work on Backyield and the Substack and everything else. Uh, now that I kind of gave it all away, where can uh, where can people find all these things that I've mentioned? Yeah, I mean, 
the best place to start is always the Twitter account at USL Tactics. I am recapping basically every single game that happens in the USL because I'm kind of sick in the head like that. Just insane. Yeah. (laughs) At the same time, like go check out what I'm writing at Backfield. It's like 5,000 words of recaps and takes on what's happening tactically and elsewhere in the league. And then uh, as a supplement to that, I've done blog posts in the past and now those are on Substack. So sign Mm -hmm. up for the email just to get that right to you. It's it kind of tends to be more like team focused or just explaining what I'm doing data wise. Like backfield will be the main one for sure, and we've got some awesome women's World Cup coverage on the way. So be on the lookout for that. Cool. But yeah, I mean, just go to the Twitter account at USL Tactics. That'll be what you need. Occasionally, you pop up on the USL uh, Championship website with some some stuff here and there. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Go check out. I did a uh, piece about Neil Collins and just Neil what Collins. he's done tactically. So he's, of interest uh, to the Rowdies core. We have we have Barnsley fans giving us like inside details of closed door like non televised friendlies and it's, <laughs> man, I, I wish him all the luck in the world. But oh, it's a big change. Oh, I mean, the guys. It is. It is. I uh, and that you know they the I, I heard some some stuff about coaching search. I so I you know I talked about this in the previous episode that that. Uh, Within like 15 minutes of them announcing it, they had 40 or 50 calls from coaches and agents, including some way outside a price range. Uh, and this is going to be like that's it's super quiet. I haven't heard anything else about that. Ooh, hang on, Ben. I think has made it in. Let's pop in and see. Uh, can you hang out for a few more minutes? Yeah, I just want to see definitely. questions for you. All right. You know, a, a lot of us want ProRel. I think it's it's uh, something that we've all been craving. But when you look at ProRel in the European uh, standpoint, where there's the balloon payments if you go down, there's all these kinds of safeguards put in place for teams that go down. Um, what what I mean, it's not as just symbols waving wands saying, okay, we're going to do ProRel now. There's a lot of things that have to go into that before we can even make it a possibility, even at the USL Championship League One level. I mean, there's a big difference financially uh, as far as even contracts are, are concerned. So I wonder how much of that plays into a part of this, or is this more just a let's go ahead and we want it on the table, we want to decide to do this. Now let's we give the owners two years to financially get themselves right for this for this jump, or like what do we do next? Yeah, I mean, when I'm thinking about like the equivalent of the parachute payments and all of that, I, I was mentioning this a little bit earlier, in fact it's actually not a huge difference in that kind of centralized revenue that you get based on what league you're in at this level. Teams in the USL are hardly even getting six digits from the TV deal with the SPN. There's like seven games on national TV all year. Let's be real about that. And really, if you're a sponsor, it doesn't make much of a difference because so many of them are local. None of them care about oh, well, you're in the Division Two USL Championship versus Division Three League One. Like people, and I wish it wasn't the case, but people just don't know the difference at this level. But you've hit the nail on the head with the, the contracts, the rival CBAs between League One and the championship. Every contract in the league is going to have to have a second look in terms of, okay, here's the promotion clause, here's the relegation clause. Are we going to force League One to step up their spending in terms of like those minimum salaries, the minimum benefits that players have? There's a lot that you're going to have to iron out. And I mean, there were some 
kind of scary quotes from the Players Association in that athletic article where they were throwing a lot of skepticism. I know I mentioned earlier with uh, Matthew, but I've had a separate conversation with a number of players between now and then about really pretty much a positivity across the board of we want to get this done. We feel like this is going to improve the quality from top to bottom across the USL. So you're right to point out that there are things to hammer out, but I think just where the leagues are at right now, there's probably no better time if you want to institute this thing. Perfect. Okay. All right. Anything else? I'm sure I'll come up with something after we're done, but no, <laughs> my brain is still on. I'm trying to get everything. I'm like, I just got my car working, so I'll get there. Yeah. Well, there's that at least. All right, John, we'll let you go. And uh, we will, like I said, talk to you, I'm sure in the very near future. All right. Talk to you later, John. Thanks for joining us. See ya. All right, Ben, before I hop into the, the next part, uh, did you have any other like thoughts of your own about the, uh, the, the, the Birmingham game? No, I think you got it pretty well covered. It's, you know, like I asked John, it just, I, I think this is less to do about Neil's first game away. Dabo's first game in charge. I think it was just, I think, it, I think Birmingham just played a really good game and sometimes that's going to happen. Yeah. I, yeah. I think Neil's absence, you know, the, has some kind of impact or effect on it. I don't know that it's, uh, you know, the overriding single one issue that, that caused it. Right. Like I said, Birmingham's good. It literally kind of what happened is I, I, I talked to uh Kaler from Birmingham last week for, uh, for the Birmingham podcast. And, uh, you know, I think I kind of at one point pointed out, you know, this could be a very, you know, looking at the way that they lined up on paper, this could be a very close game where one player, one moment makes a difference and Enzo Martinez could be out there. And we know he has a habit of doing that. It feels like, especially against the Rowdies, but I think he just kind of does that in general, really not surprised by the result. Uh, Disappointed, of course, obviously, but uh, I think this weekend hopefully will be a different story. Uh, the other thing I wanted to throw in here in terms of, of it's not really league news, I, in, except in the sense it's related to USL. And I didn't even give you the heads up about this. I just decided to throw it in. Uh, did you see the uh, the Super League uh, Tampa Bay team announcements? I did. I did indeed. I thought it was pretty cool. So they have uh, they have named Christina Uncle, uh, former FIFA referee, Sarasota-based lawyer. I see her around town sometimes in uh, in, in the uh at Shamrock for events as the president and uh, Denise Schulte Brown, who is USF's longtime women's soccer head coach. She's going into her 16th season is going to complete this season uh, with USF and then take over as the head coach. Um, I don't think that the, the, the team or the organization or whatever needed like a shot of credibility, but these are two huge names locally to have attached to this. And I think it's a great move for them. Um, I'm really interested to hear about where they're going to play, when this, what the schedule is going to be. But uh, I think they're off to a good start. You, you're, any thoughts about that? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I agree. I think Christina uncle is a really big hit. I think she naturally can move into that part of having the, the lawyer background, I think allowing her to kind of oversee things and understand contracts, but having been around, um, professional soccer for as long as her as she has i think she's a good person out there and then they get for the usf uh, women's head coach that's a that's a big get and i think that's going to be a you know a, a huge uh, uh just a i, I just think it's going to be huge for the team i mean that's that's somebody with a lot of credibility uh, a lot of local ties and 
a lot of credibility. So yeah, no, I'm very. Well, and I, I, I kind of think with these these Super League and W League teams, a lot of it's going to be based off of recruiting and 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 signing local players. Like you know, they're not going out and pulling people from overseas or you know from different parts around the country. So having two people like that with their local connections and 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 their local histories, I think is going to be a positive move for them, which is uh which is kind of cool. Too All right, to be in that role as well, which is also good. Do what? Two strong women in that role as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 I'm impressed by it. I, I have not put down like a season ticket deposit yet. Uh, not because I'm not interested. I just wanted to hear about where the stadium, where they're going to play, and and when, and all that kind of stuff. But I think I might just go ahead and do that because I kind of like where they're heading with everything. Uh, all right. So this weekend, looking to get back on uh, starting another double-digit win streak or unbeaten streak by traveling to. Indianapolis. Indy is five, seven, and six overall. They are in eighth place in the Eastern Conference, last playoff spot. They have 21 points. They are one point into the playoffs at this point. Um, they're only one, four, and five at home, though. They have four of their five wins have come on the road, only one win at home. They're one, two, and two in their last five. Their last game was a one-one draw versus Charleston. Last time they met was the opening game of the season. Last time they they played the Rowdies opening game of the season, uh, which I'm sure we all remember, despite probably not wanting to on March 11th game ended in a one, one draw. Jake Ehrman had a 57th minute goal canceled out by an Aiden Quinn penalty in second half stoppage, technically 90 minutes uh, plus six after a penalty that was judged to have been committed by Forrest Lasso against Seba Guanzati. Okay, yeah, we don't have to talk about that that, that call anymore. Uh, leading leading Indian goals right now: Aiden Quinn with six, Seba Guanzati with three, and then uh, Brian Rebelon and Jack Blake. Which today I learned that Jack Blake plays for Indy. I didn't. I don't think I he was he he wasn't there at the beginning of the season, right? Is he like a mid season pickup or something? That's a great question. I don't honestly know. And actually, I'm surprised the hood is with them as well. So I have to go back and check and see because I, I don't remember. I, I, I feel like I would have remembered it, I, you know, because, you know, Tejada was there at the beginning of the season. He's moved on to Colorado Springs now, but I, I don't remember Jack Blake being there. Maybe uh, two goals so far for Indy 11 uh, in assists. He's a talented player. Yeah. I mean, if, if they did get him midseason, that's a pretty good pickup for them. Uh, assists, Douglas Martinez, Eunice Budati, and Seba Guanzati all have two. Jack Blake and Cam Lindley have created 24 chances apiece. And in goal, uh, Yannick Edel has 49 saves. He's played in all games for him, kept five clean sheets, and conceded 21 goals. He also is the uh, featured uh person in the uh, wallpaper photograph on my computer uh, where Jake Ehrman's goal just scoots underneath him in that first game. Uh, thoughts on the matchup? What are you looking for against Indy? Real quick, I was looking up the Jack Blake info. It looks like he joined them on January. So he yeah. was with them all season. He was there. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Well, know, fine. Yeah. Right. Be that way, Jack Blake. See if I care. <laughs> so well, it's just it's just a Rowdy's reunion up there then, basically. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, look, like we've like I've said a few times, I, I sound like a broken record. We're a different team than the team that originally played Indy last time. I think we're a much better team. We're a much more disciplined team. And I have a feeling the guys are going to want to come out and show that what happened against Birmingham is not going to happen again. Plus, you, like you mentioned, the home record for Indy is not exactly great. Um, 
So, I mean, I, I kind of feel like we have a really good opportunity there. Plus, they just lost their starting left back to a red guard mm-hmm. uh, in the last game. So he will be missing. Although, I think they play a five-man backfield, if I remember correctly. They play like a play like a triangle. I don't know. Yeah, I. but either way, though, I mean, look, it, losing a starter is still losing a starter. And that's going to be the side that I would assume Sebastian Dalgard will be on. Mm-hmm. So uh, I like our odds out there, but uh, I, you know, again, I, I like our odds this week. I like them every week. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. What do you think? I kind of looking at how they, they, they match up on paper, at least in, in some of these stats areas. Uh, I think there's potential for us to, uh, to, to come out of there with, with a win. Uh, Rowdies are, are still, you know, despite not scoring last weekend, tied for the third most goals in uh, USL championship, Indy 11. Uh, tied for 21st out of 24 clubs. Uh, and it's a good thing that we can score because uh, the Rowdies are still tied for second in most goals conceded. Indy 11's tied for third, so a little bit better, but they're very similar in those areas. Uh, passing accuracy, the Rowdies are sixth place right now. Indy 11 is tied for third. Like you said, the the, the missing uh, left back may be an important part. He's suspended after receiving two yellows versus... Uh, Charleston, they also have one of their uh, most effective players, Cam Lindley, is on seven yellows, so he may be playing a little bit uh, differently, trying not to get that eighth, or maybe just deciding he, he made it to this game, get the eighth one here, and sit out whatever their next game is. Uh, one silver lining to last week's game, we uh, came out of there without anybody getting any uh, significant disciplinary trouble. Uh, no one suspended, no one on seven yellows, although Aaron Gee and Forrest Lasso are on six. So it's coming sooner or later. We know at some point these guys are going to get their seventh and eighth and then miss a game. But it will not be this game, hopefully, because they would have to get two yellows in which they're going to miss a game anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. I we'll just it, 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 It's really hard to tell without, you know, because of the, the coaching situation, like. Like I said, I, the the one thing I think that's the big difference was the big difference to me was, um, you know, the guys know how to play the way Neil would have had them play right. uh, the lineups, all that kind of stuff. But I think where we're we're going where we're we're missing out right now. And this is going to happen no matter who the interim coach is. You know, Neil's kind of, you know, real strong skill set was making adjustments, making changes, putting guys into different spots to uh, match up what's going on in the field just by his nature, Dobson's not going to make those same kind of adjustments. No. So it's, 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 you know, he's got to get a little bit comfortable with that. And, and maybe the, the players need to do a little bit um, of, of kind of managing that themselves and, and, and putting themselves in the right spots. Uh, one thing we did see from social media, Felix Schroeder back in training, whether he'll be uh, available or even in the lineup this weekend, who knows, but guys are, are starting to get healthy. Um, kind of the other one waiting to hear or see about is, is Zach Haravo. I still, you know, we know Leo Fernandez is out and apparently uh, doing a little, little player coaching uh, stuff, helping out on the, on the bench. So we have uh, someone else out there and still nothing official about Lewis Hilton, but I just don't feel confident in seeing him uh, anytime soon at the very least, probably not for the season because yeah, he was I, back in a boot and crutches. So I would assume he had re-injured himself. Uh, and at that point they might just shut it down and say, just take the time you need to get better, which is probably the right call. Yeah. That being said, we got, you want to make predictions? 
Uh, yeah, but you know what? You get to go first this time. Oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I kind of feel like, you know, I just throw this one out there every now and then, and I don't know how much I believe it or if it's just the I'm not sure. So I'm going to get I'm going to go with 2-1 for the Rowdies. You read my mind. Uh, it just kind of feels right. Uh, I feel like the guys are going to want to make uh, they're going to want to make a statement this game. I think they're going to want to come out and prove that what happened against Birmingham was just it was just a good game for Birmingham, but we are a better team than that. So I'm going to go three one. OK, uh, you know, Seba's going to come out fired up because he wants to, to you mean you know, he, he was influential in, in not losing the first game, but he I'm sure he still wants that win. Uh, on the other hand, uh, guys like Cal Jennings and, and J.J. Williams want probably want to prove that the uh, the Rowdies made the right choice in bringing them here. Yeah. They have by this point more than proven that point, uh, but doing it against the uh, the the former captain might be uh, something on their minds. Hopefully they didn't get too much in their minds and, 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 you know, mess with their heads a little bit, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about this one. There will be plenty of opportunities to watch this with uh, like-minded people. If you'd like to, uh, the club is hosting a official watch party at colony grill on central Avenue uh, that evening. I think, I think I'm going to try and make it up for that one. Uh, I've honestly, I've wanted, I've never actually been into Colony Grill, but I hear good things about it and I'm tempted to uh, go up there and do that. I was going to do, uh, I was going to get tickets for Oppenheimer over at Sundial and after three hours of that, go do uh, an Oppenheimer Rowdy's combo. Uh, I, I got the ticket for tomorrow instead, but I think I'm going to switch it to Friday. I'm not, I mean, Sunday, I'm not sure yet. We'll see. Uh, but I'm a, I think I'm going to try and get up there for that. If you're on the Tampa side, the guys over at RBLR are hosting another watch party at, I think it's called Berry House in Ebor. Uh, they're going to have giveaways. They're going to do a live pregame show. They're going to have, um, there's all kinds of like special beers and stuff on tap. Let me see. I got the whole list here somewhere. They, yeah, was just they sent it to me. Find it. That was, uh, Cause there's I one do have two people. kind of listener questions because one was, I think, just a Twitter follower, but we're going to put it out there. Yep. Uh, all right. Zest, RBLR, which of the six beers on Pitcher Special at the Ebor Watch Party sound the best? Endless Zest Citrus Lager, Tampa Export Golden, Golden Lager, Here's Your Effing Hefeweizen, Family Tradition Vienna Lager, Big Pluckin' German Pilsner, Colonel Mays Mexican Lager. You got any any thoughts, any special thoughts about the, any of those? Uh, I'm a sucker for anything and all things citrus. So the Endless Zest Citrus Lager, uh, I think that's when it, it has a it, it it just screams Blue Moon to me. Yeah. For reason. And OK, uh, I like it. I like the sound of it. It sounds refreshing. There was a response to that one saying Endless Zest is good. Uh, I like lagers, but I'm also a big fan of Hefeweizen's. And so I would uh, I'll just pick here's your effing Hefeweizen. Uh now I'm kind of tempted to go up to Ebor sometime and have uh, to go to the, one of the watch parties. Uh, other question we got uh, was from uh, trying to see Mr. Mojo Doza on Twitter. Which squad is the one you wouldn't want to face in the USL title match? And why is it Sacramento Republic? Uh, so I guess we have to pick a Western conference team because yep. it would be the USL final. Um, I mean, honest. Well, it's Sacramento or it's San Antonio. 
Yeah. I, Sacramento's been kind of flying high all season, but San Antonio's back to one point behind them, uh, uh, riding a three-game winning streak, and we know either one of those teams are pretty good. Uh, El Paso's sitting third, and then a bunch of teams that I you would feel fairly confident against. Uh, and honestly, I, I'll pick Sacramento just because you know, people like to do this. I have, you know, a German team and an English team and a French team and then different leagues. If I had a Western conference team, it's Sacramento. I had a blast with their fans at open cup final last year. Nice. Uh, I was glad to see us play each other this year, but I'm, uh, I, I would hate to see that be in a championship game because they are well, I don't want to lose. And I don't want to, uh, I would hate to see them get to the final and also lose. So that's a tough call. No, I mean, I'm with you. I think my gut would say Sacramento and mostly just being look at the goal differential. I mean, 19 plus 19. Yeah. I mean, they are scoring goals in bunches and they are not letting many in. So, I mean, you got to kind of think that. But I mean, San Antonio's right behind them. I mean, 37 goals for 21 against. I mean, that's, you know, that's no joke. I mean, that's a 16 goal differential. I mean, that's pretty impressive. So I, I think either one of those top two out of the West are going to be dangerous. Yeah. I'm, I'll I'll just I'll just say Sacramento. I'm, I'm going to call it Sacramento, Sacramento and call the, it that. For the sake of not agreeing with you, I'm going to go San Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to manufacture some some controversy here on on the show tonight. Uh, all right, did I? I don't think I had anything else in here. I don't think we had any other questions. No, that that's all I had in in the notes for tonight. Uh, any final words? You know, uh, you brought up Colony Grill. Uh, so, yes, guys, get yourselves out there. Come on. Come on. I'll enjoy it. I mean, uh, Matt brought it up to me earlier this week. I'm going to be going. I have to work the Rays game beforehand, but then I'm going to be over afterwards. Uh, so I will be there. Um, so I hope to see you guys there. And if you're going to be on the Tampa side, go join the, the Rebler guys. I mean, it sounds like a good time. The last one had a pretty good turnout. They looked like they had a great time. And mm-hmm. you know, those Rebler guys aren't that bad. I mean, I guess Eureka and James and Carlos aren't uh, aren't awful. I mean, I mean, and uh, Skyway will be doing their their regular watch party down at Shamrock, yes. uh, which I would be going to if I didn't have the opportunity to go get uh, pizza and, and hang out in St. Pete for the evening when I've uh, got nothing else on on, on plan. So yeah, go watch the Women's World Cup. There's some great soccer already on. Go. Dude, I, I am going to that. That's going to we talked about last weekend with uh, some of the or the last time there was a home game with some of the U.S. men's game. The, the friendlies that or not the friendlies, but the uh, the games they were playing afterwards. Like, yeah, I'm going down to uh, Shamrock tomorrow night to watch uh, the first one. And then next Wednesday, be out there for U.S. women versus Netherlands. Uh, we're still trying to sort out, uh, the possibility of being open at 3 AM to watch the, uh, the, the third group stage match. I might have to just watch that one from bed on. I'm sure I'll get up to watch it or, or stay up to watch it. But, uh, yeah, that one, that one's going to be rough. I think I have the next day is like my first day back at school or something like that. Or no, the first day of school Ooh. is the day after that game. Like the, like I will have been at work already for that week. And, and then the kids come back the next day. So, um, Oh wait, hold on. So that'd be 3 a.m. that morning. And then I'm, I'm going to, uh, counting crows concert in Tampa with my daughter the night before the first day of school. Holy crap. <laughs> coffee, lots of coffee think i'll get fired if i just call in on the first day <laughs> i don't even drink coffee <laughs> no Look, there's there's enough things that are going to get me fired this year uh in terms of state standards and stuff but i don't want to go into that uh, uh <laughs> you know whatever all right well let's uh let's wrap it up uh the rain 
that came through here did not knock anything out, thankfully. Uh, so I will uh, hopefully see you sometime Saturday evening at Colony Grill. Sounds yep. like, looks like. All right. Uh, you know, if you're if you're if you're talking to anybody over there, the the trop, you, you could suggest that they try winning. I'm. I know. I don't I'm, know if they've considered that. If they want to throw that into tactics. You know, uh, I thought for sure after this All Star break, we would it would be the break we needed, but it appears that has not been the case. Right. Uh, I'm sure you're probably sworn to secrecy and 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 uh, wouldn't uh, tell tell us anything, even if you could. You haven't seen any uh, familiar uh, looking faces wandering around the tropes going in for uh, for job interviews with uh, Mr. Ald and Mr. Silverman, have you? No, I have not had any no coaching prospects. Nope, no Otani, no Otani prospects. Uh, no head coaching prospects. No nothing. In fact, those guys are really tight lipped. I try and pick their brains all the time. Like, what's going on, guys? What's going on, guys? Right. I walk over to the second floor and go talk to them. They don't tell me anything now. Like, just, just, kind of, just kind of sit on a bench outside uh, outside the office and maybe just you know see what you see. Yeah, they, it it's super quiet, which tells me they are are taking this seriously and and, and talking to some people then. Yeah, from everything I've heard, I mean, they, they're definitely going to put the time in. They're not going to rush this decision. They feel confident with Dabo in charge. Uh, Eric, I mean, it used to, I mean, look, D- Dabo's been around for a long time. He knows what Neil would do. We know it's not the same changes he might make on the fly as Neil, but he's been around long enough to kind of know who fits where and for what positions. Mm-hmm. Then Eric, uh, I forget his last name, the other coach. Um, Wild. Eric Wild, thank you. I mean, yep. he's another good coach that's been in his role. His role hasn't changed. You know, and his role is to, I, I don't know exactly if it's like, to, not stats, but it's understanding numbers and all that stuff. So, I mean, look, his role hasn't changed. He's still there. Like so, the analytics kind of stuff? Yeah. So, I mean, they feel good about him being there. So, I mean, they're not going to rush this choice. They they know that whomever assumes this next role is going to have to be, you know, is going to have to fill some big shoes. So, yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I would imagine it's going to take about two to three weeks at least uh, before we hear anything. I want news. I, you know, we can, if we just post an episode tomorrow, then, you know, maybe we'll get that news tomorrow afternoon, the way things seem to be going lately. We, we <laughs> drop an episode, they drop a headline, whether it's the league or the club or whatever. Yeah. It'll be eight o'clock tomorrow morning. I'll be like, ah, we got to re-record. <laughs> uh, it might take me a little while to edit this one together. Once we uh, yeah, try and fault. fix that little echo. Sorry for me, guys. That's my fault. I, uh, my truck decided it sucks and didn't want to work properly. That's, that's on me. Sorry. Well, now we know that if we have to drop someone in midway through the show, that we uh, just turn that, uh, just stop and, and fix the echo first and, and, and do it back then. I didn't know we couldn't do it while we were recording. I just, I figured we could just fix it at that point, but it, it, it could it would also not play like that. So, hey, who knows? Maybe anybody else is fine. Because it seems I blame, I just, I blame Orlando. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. When in doubt, right? <sighs> Stinking Orlando. People these days. All right, well, let's get out of here. Let's get this edited and get this posted, and uh, let's go to Indy and get three points and come home and and, uh, have a good time. Yes, sir. I'll be working. I'll be there. All right. I will will see you on Saturday evening for some pizza and some beer and uh, some soccer. Sounds good, Matty. Have yourself a good one, buddy. All right. Talk to you soon, and come on, you rowdies. Come on, you rowdies.